Okay. Okay, if I can uh, have your attention back, that would be great. As Rich has said, we're starting today in a new series called Jesus, Only Jesus. And uh, we're going to preach through a series of sermons on the book or the letter of uh, Colossians. The church, uh, the, the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And we won't literally go through verse by verse, although it would be kind of good to do that, but we'd be here a year doing it. So we'll pick key themes out as we move through and probably spend around 10, 12 weeks going through the book of Colossians. But this book is all about Jesus, which is why we've called it Jesus Only Jesus. And it was written, just very quickly to give you some background, we, we think this letter... Uh, was written around AD 62, uh, just after Paul had been put under house arrest in Rome. So in Acts 27-28, we get the story of his journey up to Rome, where he gets shipwrecked, gets there, and then he gets put under house arrest. And he probably writes this letter, together with the letter to the church in Ephesus, if the, the letter of Ephesians, around the same time, maybe under the same house arrest. And uh, Colossae is, a, is kind of a city that's around 160 kilometers east of, of Ephesus. And Ephesus is on, in southwest Turkey, kind of an hour's drive, what we now call south of the city of Bodrum. If you know anything about Turkey, it's kind of in the southwest Turkey. And Colossae would have been connected by a river inland around 160 kilometers and what happened was, as we read through this, we'll see there's a man called Epaphras who would have been visiting, who came from Colossae, and he would have visited the city of Ephesus when Paul was there teaching and planting and starting a church. And it would appear that he became a Christian, a follower of Jesus, whilst visiting Ephesus, and then went back to Colossae and started a church in Colossae, which is kind of cool. It's great. And he's mentioned here in these next few verses, which we'll read in a moment. And he's now brought news to Paul about this church that Paul has never visited. So Paul has never been to this church he's writing to. He's hearing about it through others and this man called Epaphras. And it kind of what he sets out is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus in the spiritual realm? Who is this man Jesus we've seen walking around some 30 years ago? Who, who is he? It sets it out. And so if you've got questions about who Jesus is, this is very helpful. And then when we get on to chapters 3 and 4, it kind of switches into, so what does my life now as a follower of Jesus, what is it supposed to look like? And we'll get very practical. So uh, just, as I, just as I end this introduction, I want to say, as a church here at Grace City, uh, we, we've just come out of a, a themed series about COVID and the cross. But normally, it would be our intention to preach through books of the Bible. That's what we like to do because it kind of, you can't pick and choose what you want to say so much. Uh, when you preach through a book of the Bible, the, the Bible kind of makes you say some things maybe you don't want to say and kind of brings you through and gets you to cover a whole range of subjects. So normally as a church, we, we believe very much in the power of Scripture and the authenticity of the Bible. And so we'll always try to preach through books of the Bible. Uh, so that's just a very quick introduction. I'd love to do a longer one, but that's a very quick one. So I've called today's preach, Being Strengthened in God. And we're going to look at the first 14 verses, shock horror, 14 verses 
of chapter 1, but I'm not going to preach through every verse. I'm probably only really going to preach on one verse. So I think the first thing I'll do is I'll start to read this and make comments as we go through, and then we'll land in, in one of these verses. So I'll read through verse 1 to 8 first. So, so it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith, since we heard of your faith, he's not been there, he doesn't know them. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, what a great thing to be said about a church. I'd love that to be said about Grace City. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of, uh, the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world and is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Let me just for a moment say... He, he, he's talking about the gospel bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. What he means by that is the world that was known to him at that time, okay, around the area where he, where he lived. But it's interesting to look back 2,000 years later and say, is the gospel still bearing fruit and increasing in the whole world? And the answer is, it is. So we can live in a place, uh, we can live in a country like Canada, or I, I've spent a lot of my life in the UK, I've also ministered a lot in Germany, in, in Europe, it can feel like, I'm not sure it is. <laughs> I'm not sure the gospel is still increasing. It's bearing fruit, but is it increasing? I want to say, there's a, there's a, a, a book called Operation World, which a man called Patrick Johnston does very faithfully, where he collects data from all across the world, and I was looking recently at a summary, a very, I'll just give you a headline on this because it's worthy of a whole talk. But he says this recently, this is pre-COVID, he says, this is my question, is the gospel still increasing as Paul's saying here? He says this, it has been a most remarkable generation in church history. Who among us 30 years ago could have envisioned over 100 million Chinese Christians? I think, is the, is the gospel increasing? It feels a bit tough. Last 30 years, over 100 million Chinese Christians. There are large church movements now in Iran, Algeria, and the Sudan. The unprecedented harvest of new believers continues across Africa, Asia, and Latin America. This is a remarkable story of a growing, spreading, and diversifying church. There are now Christians living and worshipping in every country on earth. It's the last 30 years. You think, well, is the gospel still in... I think it's true. <laughs> Paul wrote this to this little part of the world that he knew about, uh, that the gospel was increasing and bearing fruit in the whole world. Yes, it is. It still is. It, it sometimes doesn't feel like that to us, but if we just lift our eyes, it is. I want to encourage you this morning. The gospel, the Bible says, is the power of God unto salvation. And it's spreading across the whole world. So I want to encourage you, as we minister together, to seek to spread the gospel in the city of Ottawa. This same gospel is bearing fruit across the earth. Okay, that's just a, like an aside. Okay, that's not really what I want to talk about. Okay, so um, 
those that, where do we get to? I don't, I don't know. The gospel uh, in truth. Verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras, there's this man Epaphras, uh, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Let's keep going. Verse 9 to 10. Paul now starts to pray for them. He actually starts to pray. He tells them he has been praying and is praying. And now he actually starts to pray in the letter. He says, and so uh, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking, what's he asking for them? That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I think, wow, what a prayer. Bring it on. Pray it over me, please. I want some of that. I I want to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is an exciting prayer. So to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Yes, we'll come back to this. It's not what I'm going to preach on today. We'll come back to this later in the series. What does it mean to keep walking with Christ? Fully pleasing to him. Fully, I want to be pleasing to God. What a prayer. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It's like Paul is, is leading them up a mountain. This is, I'm feeling excited just reading this. I want to be pleasing to God. I want to bear fruit in every good work. I want to increase in the knowledge of God. Who doesn't? This is exciting. This is, this is exciting. Let's move on. Let's just read the first half of verse 11. It's interesting. He then says, so he keeps, it's like we're still going up the mountain here. Being strengthened with all power. Yes. All power. All power according to his glorious might. For all. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? With all power. The Greek word kratos here is like perfect power. So we're being strengthened with perfect power. I want some perfect power according to God's strength. You can't get any more than this. So we're bearing fruit in everything. We're increasing in the knowledge of God. We've got this perfect power. We're being strengthened with it. Wow, Paul, what's this? What's coming next? So that you give me every bit of ground that I take. I'm going to take it. I'm going to bring in the kingdom of God in Ottawa because the power of God's coming on me. I'm I'm at the forefront. There's success coming on me. There's, there's, there's prosperity coming on. This is going to be amazing. Keep praying. Let's, come, let's keep going up the mountain. So what does he say? Verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Oh, it wasn't quite what I was expecting. I'm being strengthened with the perfect power of God for endurance and patience. Oh, okay. It's not quite what I was expecting, Paul. You've kind of led me up. I thought there was something a bit more exciting than this coming. And this is the mistake we can make as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is that we think it's just all glorious. It's just going to get better. And we start to get a bit disappointed. See, Paul knew some things. We'd be wise to follow what's in Scripture. He prays. We need power. He's not praying for breakthrough. So power so that we can break through and have success is basically for endurance and patience. Oh, I'm not so keen on that. 
I'm not so keen on that. Let's just look at this for a moment. It's important to understand what these words mean. Endurance. All endurance. Uh, I think on the screen we'll have, a, we'll have an actual meaning. This is, I think this is from Help Word Studies. There's lots of these you can find online. It's interesting to unpack what these words mean. So it comes from two Greek words. The, the Greek word is hypomone, and it comes from hypo, which means under. Sorry, I hope you don't mind a quick Greek lesson. This won't last too long. And, and, and meno, which means to remain and endure. So what he's saying is you're going to have perfect power from God to remain under some things. Ooh. Okay. It says properly remaining under, endurance, steadfastness, especially as God enables the believer to remain, endure, under. The challenges he allots in life. Ooh. Not sure I came to church to hear this this morning. Paul's saying you need power to remain under some things, to remain under some circumstances. Our tendency, and I know mine is, when I get some challenges, I want to run. <laughs> I want to get out of here. Take, get, get rid of this. Sometimes, it seems to me that part of the walk of the Christian, and there are seasons in this, where he actually calls us to remain under some things. Calls us to stay. Calls us to get through. You see, we can have a very negative view of endurance. I think it has got a negative connotation. It's like, who wants to endure? It's just horrible. Somehow it's seen as failure. So we don't talk about it. It's like, what? It's not worthy of God. It's not worthy of being a Christian to endure. See, it's about how we respond to difficult circumstances. That's the key here. Will we remain under difficult circumstances without giving up or running away. Endurance when circumstances are difficult and sometimes we just need to hold our ground. And, and we're looking for this victory, we're looking for things to break open all the time and sometimes God says, no, actually, you, you'll win, you'll do well by learning to take my glorious strength to cause you to remain under some things. Because that's when I'm doing some significant work in your life. Steadfastly and unflinchingly bearing up under a heavy load. Okay, does, does get happier soon, don't worry. Okay. But we need to say some of these things. See, some of you, so you can look at COVID, you can look at the last 18 months and think, to be honest, COVID was the least of the things I'm bearing up under. COVID's just brought some other things to the surface that have actually, I've got other things going on. COVID's kind of there, but my goodness, you, you don't know what else I'm grappling with here. And it feels like there's some things on me that I, I can't see an easy escape from. And maybe you're not supposed to escape. <laughs> maybe you're supposed to draw on the power of God to help you remain. Maybe that's what God's doing in this season. Some of you need to hear the well done of God. Some of you may think you're failing. It's like, I might, is this right for me? It just feels weird and horrible at the moment. And some of you, you've remained through difficult circumstances and you need to hear the well done of God. It's not failure. It's not failure. We can have a strange, warped view of success. 
So hear God, you want to hear God say, well done, you've done well, you've remained, you're, you're doing well. You're remaining under some difficult things. And that's what you're supposed to do. That's, at the moment, that's, that's right for you. It's okay. I'm doing some things in your life. See, some of the, so often, some of, much of this is done in secret. And no one sees, really, apart from you and God. And that's hard. But God does see. He wants to say that to you today. See, part of this is the ability to focus on what is beyond the current pressures, the hope of Christ. It's interesting. Hebrews 12.2, writer to the Hebrews says, it's talking about Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame. The word endured here, Greek word endured here, hypermone. It's the same word that Paul's using in his letter here to the Colossians for endurance. Saying Jesus remained under the cross is kind of what it's saying, despising its shame because he was looking for the joy that was set before him, i.e. you and me. Jesus remained under the cross. He could have taken himself down. He could have called a, a legion of angels to rest. He could have done anything. But no, Scripture says he remained under the cross. That's a literal translation of this. And that Paul's saying, actually, sometimes you need the strength of God to do the same thing. Because you've got to remain under some things. Not forever, for a season. And it's not wrong. You're not failing. It's an opportunity for you to dig into God and, and get his power to come to you. You come through stronger. So it's not a passive grin and bear it. I'm not saying to you, just be stoic this morning. Just grin at me. It's all okay. It's like, you know, the famous, how are you doing? Yeah, okay. Okay. And inside you, you can think of 10 things that you want to shout at this person about and say, you don't know how hard my life is. But you don't, you go, okay, yeah, we're doing good. No, you're not. But I'm not saying to you today, just try harder. Just be stoic. Just keep the smile going. It's an active drawing on the God. Okay, it's being real. It's being strengthened within with power. According to his glorious might. That's endurance. Okay, by the way, we've landed in verse 11, in case you're wondering. Okay, and patience. Let's just look at this word, patience. Um, what this word means is, it normally, the, the, the macrothumia, the, the previous word, hypermone, normally has to do with remaining under circumstances. This word has more to do with people. Think, what is Paul saying? Paul, are you saying be patient with our circumstances? The normal meaning of this Greek word, it would normally be used with people. And, and, and the, again, it's a, it's a Greek word, two, two sides to this Greek word, macrothumia, which basically means long temper. The opposite, okay, is short-tempered. So patience is having a long temper. Being impatient is having a short temper. Kind of obvious. It's from the Greek here, to mean to have a long temper. Be, Paul's saying, be strengthened with, by God to have a long temper. Any of you struggle with this? Any of you got a short temper? Man, there's something that God's had to work into my life over years. 
tends to be with people. Have you got a short temper with people? Because you need God's strength to help you. It's a long holding out of the mind before it gives room to passion or action. A long holding out, counting to ten. An emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune. It's a long endurance that does not retaliate. It's not passive. We can think of patience as passive. It's not. Patience requires concentrated strength. We can think, oh, don't, be, don't talk to me about patience. Patience is for weak people. Pa- patient people don't get anything done. It's good. I'm almost proud of my impatience. I'm impatient. I've got my badge. I, I, I get things done. I've heard it said. No, no, no. Patience means you're strong. You need to draw on strength from God to help you be long-tempered. You see, it's self-restraint that does not hastily revenge a wrong. Maybe you think you've been wronged. Maybe you think something's unfair. A person is being unfair. But it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't hastily revenge that. It expresses itself in patience. My question to you today is, do you have a long temper with difficult people? With difficult people. I mean, I'm sure you've got some difficult people, you know. Maybe it's just me, or maybe I'm not allowed to have any difficult people. But yeah, I, I know some people that can be quite difficult. Have I got a long temper? Interesting. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says this. Uh, we use the ESV because it's closest to the Hebrew and the Greek. Um, it says a man, it can be a person. Maybe this does apply to men. Maybe some of you women will be nodding, saying, yeah, this applies to men. It's quite accurate. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Ouch. Ouch. You think self, having lacking self-control is not a big thing? When this was written, a city that had no walls was no protection. You could come and go, any enemy could come, route the place, go again, destroy anything, completely defenseless. If you have no self-control, you're like a person that is defenseless. And you think, is, patience isn't a big deal? I, I think it is. Having a long temper, no self-control, we need help. We need God's help. God, help me to be strong with this. It's not weakness. Help me to be strong. You're completely defenseless. Are you being strengthened with all power? See, patience is a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. One of the fruits of the Spirit. Let me just finish. Endurance, patience, it says in verse 11, with joy. With joy. You think, oh my goodness. But let me just read on. As you go into verse 12, it says, giving thanks. And I want to finish with this. I want to finish with thankfulness because I think thankfulness is linked to joy. It's very hard to be just full of joy if you're not thankful for anything. It just becomes a bit weird. It's like, I will be joyful, I will be happy. Uh, no, you're probably not if you're not thankful. One of the keys to this is, is getting God's strength to remain under some things, have a long temper, giving thanks, and joy will come. My question is, it's been tough the last 18 months. And sometimes we can, we can find that tough things 
particularly if you're remaining under something, you tend to lose perspective. That's what I think. It certainly happens to me sometimes. I stop counting my blessings. And I start to focus on the things in front of me that I'm not happy about. <laughs> and I stop saying thank you, God. And I just lose perspective. And as I finish, I just want to say this to you. There's a lot in the New Testament about it. There's a lot about giving thanks. In, in, in Philippians 4, it talks about being thankful with, in prayer, and then the peace of Christ will come to you. But it's with thankfulness. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Be thankful in all circumstances. Not for all. Don't be silly. Don't be thankful for everything that's causing you pain, but be thankful in it. Because there's always something you can be thankful to God for. And I want to encourage you, please just start remembering how good God is. How kind he's been to you. Write down, not now, well you can do if you want, but five things that you know you can be so thankful to God for. Even if right now you think, I'm having to remain under this thing that's on me, write down five things you can praise God for and be thankful. It's so important, it will change your life. It's, it's always helped me to be thankful. I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to read just the lyrics of a song. Uh, Stuart Townend, who's written a lot, a lot of songs, he wrote In Christ Alone, that many of you will know. Uh, he wrote this song that's not so well known. And I'll finish with this. And I'll just read it through, but it kind of says everything I, I, I want to say. It says, In every day that dawns, I see the light of your splendor around me. Can we say that? Can you say that? And everywhere I turn... I know the gift of your favor on me. Can you do that? What can I do but give you glory, Lord? Everything good has come from you. I'm grateful for the air I breathe. I'm so thankful for this life I live. Maybe some of you need to say that today, even though it's hard. God, actually, I am thankful for this life I live. I know I've got this weight, it feels like, on me. But God, I'm thankful for this life I live. Because there's a lot of things to be thankful for. For the mercies that you pour on me and the blessings that meet every need. And the grace that is changing me from a hopeless case, that's me, to a child that's free, free to give you praise for in everything I know you love me. And just finish with this. The second verse says this. So through all that I have known... I have been held in the shelter of your hand. As my life unfolds, you are the revealing the wisdom of your sovereign plan. There are no shadows in your faithfulness. There are no limits to your love. And I tell you, if you, if you speak that out every day, your life will start to change. Thankfulness in the midst of remaining under circumstances and having a long temper with people and being strengthened by God. Maybe today, as we sing together in these moments, maybe you need to just start calling out thankfulness to God in your heart. And uh, let's do that for these moments. God is here by His Holy Spirit.